Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 728. Disgust. I wondered how much of it was about me, the barbarian among them. There were more women than I'd expected, and more young children. There were a handful of the familiar blood-red mercenaries, but more wore the simple gray I'd seen during my walks with Shaheen. I saw a white shirt as well, and was surprised to see it was Shaheen herself, eating elbow to elbow with the rest of us. None of them stared at me, but they were looking. A lot of attention was being paid to my hair, which was understandable. There were fifty sandy heads in the room, a few darker, a few lighter or grey with age. I stood out like a single burning candle. I tried to draw Tempe into a conversation, but he would have none of it and focused on his food instead. He hadn't loaded his plate nearly as full as mine, and ate only a fraction of what he took. With no conversation to slow things, I finished quickly. When my plate was empty, Tempe quit pretending to eat and led us away. I could feel dozens of eyes on my back as we left the room. He took me down a series of passages until we came to a door. Tempe opened it, revealing a small room with a window and a bed. My loot and travel sack were there. My sword was not. You are to have another teacher. Tempe spoke at last. Do your best. Be civilized. Your teacher will decide much. Regret. You will not see me. He was obviously troubled, but I couldn't think of anything to say that might reassure him. Instead, I gave him a comforting hug, which he seemed to appreciate. Then he turned and left without another word. Inside my room, I undressed and lay on the bed. It seems like I should say I tossed and turned, nervous about what was to come. But the simple truth is that I was exhausted and slept like a happy baby at his mother's breast. That's the page and the chapter. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. And this confirms what we talked about previously, that while Shaheen is sort of in uniform and uh, is a ranking person and like stands out in this way, what Jeremy was talking about is how like she, they are a collective. Just because she has more status doesn't mean that she gets more or different treatment than the rest of them it also sort of answers a bit of a question about the gray homespun because i was asking about that before when i was thinking that maybe it was also like a status thing but really it seems to just be like what you don't wear if you're if you're not wearing mercenary reds or or what you wear if you're not wearing mercenary reds well if you're not a mercenary it seems to me that even the mercenaries when they're not on duty such as it is still get to wear the reds so I feel like these are farmers or or uh, pre-mercenaries or something like that. And it does kind of suggest, it suggests a couple of things. One suggestion might be that the ADEM simply value plain living. You know, they're, they're, everything about their culture that we've seen so far kind of tends towards asceticism and kind of a Spartan style. But... We learn later, of course, that they're fabulously rich. Another reason that they dress this plainly might be because at some point in their past, they had good reason to try not to attract attention to themselves for some reason. And that's kind of stuck. Well, like, I guess those colors, the like the gray would be a probably the natural color you get out of like goat wool clothing, Um, but also probably blends in nicely as a camouflage with their houses, which are also built into the mountains. So. Yeah, it's interesting that their whole culture 
down to their language seems to be around not attracting attention. Very interesting, especially if you consider the theory that they are split from the Edamara, who are all about attention and being vivacious. I wonder if it's difficult to be an extrovert in this culture. I'm sure it is. I'm sure that's why Tempe is drawn to the loot. Because Tempe has these urges. I'm sorry. <laughs> as, much as, I, as much as I enjoy the recurring bit that Tempe is a public masturbator, I do think that that is kind of what the what his story is about, that he is sort of like, I don't know if he's born in the wrong place necessarily. But like, but I think he that, wants it and he knows he shouldn't. Yeah. I wonder if this is how they feel about music. How do they feel about other art forms? Like, how do they feel about like painting? I think music in particular, I mean, we get into it later. They do like explain it in more detail, but I think that because music is something that you do with your voice, it is loud. <laughs> it's loud. It calls attention. And it, it in some ways, it's almost like, you know, barbarian stuff, right? It's not delicate. Right, why? Why is it barbarian stuff? Like, I think that this is the thread to pull because it was singing a song that got Quoth's family killed. And I am kind of zeroing in on a theory that the Adam, like, because they have art and they have stories and they know the names of the Chandrian, right? And they like trace their lineage back to Myrtirinial through their weaponry. I think that the Adem are privy to some kind of fundamental truth about the nature of the world and like the danger of expression and the danger of true names and, and stories. And that's why they're hiding and that's why they're structured this way. I am inclined you know as as much as i am a uh, crackpot theory kind of guy i'm inclined to think that it's all connected that everything about the adams culture revolves around not being discovered by these beings i don't know if it's literally the chandrian that they're after but i don't think that the chandrian are unique i think that they sort of like go by rules that other beings also go by I'm not sure that their culture still has that reasoning to it, but certainly the practices I think would come from something like that. Totally. Like, I don't think any culture like understands the reasons behind why they do certain things. Well, not, I mean, not any culture, some cultures probably do, but I'm sure there's lots of things in the real world that like have origins and practicality. Like, I don't know. Keeping kosher is a great example. Like keeping kosher. I was just going to say. Yeah. yeah keeping courage. The, the origin of keeping kosher is that you couldn't keep, meat in the desert it would go bad and so as a means of teaching people not to eat you know or like meat and milk like things that will go bad in, in hot dry climate <laughs> shellfish yeah exactly so as a means of teaching people like hey it's better not to eat this stuff that sort of blossomed into a religious tenet mm -hmm. similarly like the hindu prescription against eating cattle the cows are sacred might have its origins in like cows are scarce we need to use them for other stuff mm-hmm if we're okay to depart from the topic of the whatever uh, cultural mysteries might be hiding behind this this uh, innocuous comment about their dress and their simple living, Tempe is obviously like in distress basically ever since he found out that Quoth was going to be taught by the hammer. And Quoth, Quoth can see that like he's troubled, but he's not connecting the dots, which I think is a delicious 
piece of dramatic irony for the reader reader. Like I think we're all thinking where those both, you don't know what you're getting into. Whoever this teacher is, they're going to like kick your ass. Like, what are you, why aren't you more panicked about this? And Quoth's like, well, you know, Tempe seems to be like not in a good headspace right now, but you know, I'm hungry. I'm sleepy. Uh, not troubling me. Yeah. You kind of put your finger on something that not that it bugs me, but I think I've talked about it a few times. Like this comes back to me being frustrated at Quoth for not picking up on like the dynamic that Elodin is trying to teach him or like the reason that he was able to name against Valurian or even like the Shaheen thing is that sometimes he seems to understand and behave as if he's a character in a book, in a story, or at least like he understands story structure and he understands what's expected of him. Were he in a story? Sometimes he does seem to understand that and like behaves that way. And then other times he behaves as if he's never read a story before. Like a regular human teenage boy? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think that, yeah, like Rothfuss is having his cake and eating it too. And I suppose, you know, no one actually believes they're in a storybook. Or well, maybe some people uh, actually do, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. And like, I don't think Kvothe actually thinks he's a character in a story, but he does sometimes, I guess when it like behooves him or when it's like theatrical, he behaves that way. Like when he comes back into the inn, He's definitely playing a part. He thinks of himself as being in a story when it suits him, right? Like when yeah. it suits him telling a story about himself. Any of us can relate to the idea that it's much easier to give advice than it is to follow it. And it's a lot easier to like recognize patterns in someone else than it is to recognize them in yourself. And I think we can extrapolate that to the idea that like Quoth is very clever, but he's not always very clever about like himself. Yeah, I buy that. In my memory, Vashit is not that bad, and Quoth sort of wins her over pretty quickly. I'm reading forward, and she certainly like lays on the abuse pretty thick early on. I, but say, I, I have... recall Vashet being really scary. <laughs> the two genders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting, and like I, I'm looking forward to this next sequence because I think of Vashet as an ally. And I think of Quoth, like all of this buildup being a little bit unwarranted. So I guess we'll see going into well, it now. I think I think the difference is is sort of in Tempe's disposition versus Quoth's disposition. I think that Tempe, despite the fact that he's a mercenary and very skilled, I do think Tempe is a bit of a gentler soul than Quoth. And I think that maybe that's why he's so worried about Vashet is because the way that Tempe interacts with Vashet is probably not the same way that Quoth does. I think I have a slightly different reading in that I think the reason that Vashet and Quoth develop a good relationship eventually is because Quoth proves to Vashet that he is worth teaching, that he's not just some upjumped barbarian, that he there are there are more depths to him than that. Much in the same way that I think Quoth proves to Kilvin that he's not just, you know, a clever know-it-all. Uh, much that he proves to Falurian that he's not just a clever manling, right? Like, Sure, he, sure. But in, in my memory, he does that quite easily with Vashat. So that's... I guess we will find out. Yeah, that's why we're reading it. it the, the threats don't really land like they did in the, in the beginning. And as, as I recall, my impression when I first read it was like, oh, you know, for all that lead up to the hammer... It actually wasn't that scary. Well, I guess we will have to wait and find out. Stop getting ahead of the pages. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just, it's a fun character. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is that I think that Tempe is also on the chopping block, so to speak. Like, 
it's not just Quoth being assessed here. It's Tempe's, Tempe's fate will, will yeah. rely on how Quoth shakes out here. Yes, yes. I your teacher agree. will decide much, is what he said. Yeah. Yeah, your teacher will decide not just what to do with you, but also what to do with me. Yeah. It's exciting. It's almost like the, like, it's kind of a suspended sentence, right? Like, a Shaheen has been like, it's possible Tempe didn't make a mistake, so we need to investigate further. And the way to do that is to see if Vashet thinks he's worth striking. Yeah, and that's interest- That's an interesting, like, judicial system, right? It's like, it's not that there's a codified law that you have broken it's that we have to decide if what you did was of the lethani or not it was right action and there's like all this this debate and like shaking out of boo i've just sort of thought of this it's sort of the idea of fate right it's the idea of like you took this action and your actions had consequences and it is still to be decided if those actions were and consequences were good or bad which i think is potentially like of a through line with the nature of the cathay and perhaps more broadly, the whole story, right? Because the whole story is ultimately about like Quoth making decisions he doesn't fully understand the weight of. And at least in the frame, we are led to believe that the consequences of those actions have been very, very bad. But what if Quoth in the frame is wrong and the consequences were actually very good? He just doesn't see the full picture yet. That's possible. I do want to point out that per uh, two pages ago, the ADEM do have laws re- regarding who gets to learn and who doesn't, and Tempe has broken them. Like, Carceret says, like, this is why we have laws. To ignore a law is to erase it. And I think... Right, but maybe he didn't. And I think... I just think it's interesting that, like, this is a system that they have in place. Like, Yeah, well, I think what it is, rather than, like, saying, like, oh, no, he didn't break the law after all, I think it's, like, he broke the law... But because he broke the law for the right reason, breaking the law was of the Lathani, and so we will not punish it. Yeah, it's a bit like an appeals process. Yeah. I know nothing about appeals, so... I'm well, when you're hungry and you smile. want a piece of fruit... Oh, no. No, no, no. Don't you do want, this. Say, like, an apple or a nice a nice orange. Yeah, like, or a banana. But you got to appeal it first. Yeah, you got to go to the Court of Appeals and say, excuse me, can you help me with this pomelo? Listeners, we will help you with your clementines. There is one final note. It is the end of a chapter. This chapter was called A Liar and a Thief. It is clearly a reference to how Carceret says that Quoth is at worst a liar and a thief. I mean, that's possible, but don't you think it's more likely that it's a reference to how Balancis is a liar and a thief? for taking the ring from Gollum? Yes, I, I do think that. Mm. Well, I mean, glad we can agree. <laughs> it's been a hot second since you've done the Gollum voice on the show. Yeah, I know. I don't have as many targets of opportunity anymore. We had a long conversation about Lord of the Rings the other day. Mm. It didn't come up. I'm not sure mm. if I've missed it or not. And uh, we'll do more impressions of people on tomorrow's page. Uh... I kind of take exception with... Andy Serkis's interpretation of what Gollum would sound like. It's to, in the book to me. It's pretty clearly meant to be like kind of a frog sound, like a Gollum. Gollum. Okay. It's meant to be like a swallowing that is, sound. Right? This is like a whole nother patron episode. You can you can stop right now. Yeah. So I always was a little bothered by the sort of cough, the hacking cough that he does. It seems to me to uh, be an intentional or you know, intentional at at worst, but like certainly a misread of, of Tolkien's intention. 
What you call a misread, I call an artistic interpretation. And I call the end of the episode. Goodbye.